Hey, welcome back to Investment Fund Secrets. I'm Bridger Pennington. Today, we're going to talk about why no deal is better than a bad deal. I've spent the last three years learning from some of the most ingenious fund managers around. And now I've decided to take the plunge and start my own fund. The real question is, how will I do it with no investors and without an Ivy League degree? This podcast is going to give you the answer. Join me and follow along as I share mine and other stories as we start and build multi-million dollar investment funds. I'm Bridger Pennington, and this is Investment Fund Secrets. Hey, welcome back. So today I want to talk about an interesting case study I just recently read about a company. They had, I think it was HP Computers, um, but I don't don't quote me on that. But they were looking at um, acquiring another company and it was on the other side of the planet. They spent nine months doing diligence, their internal acquisitions team. They hired a consulting agency, um, came back, and they conclude on that small internal deal team that it was kind of an okay deal, but they wanted to push through it. The managers, the vice president, the the executive board all wanted this merger to happen if it made sense. So they looked into it more and more. And finally, after nine months, um, ended up doing the deal. And they acquired this company and it was a colossal fail. Um, they This company they acquired, I mean, it was just a train wreck. I think they took them bankrupt or either just sold the company after a few years and just didn't work out. And they went back to the acquisition scene and said, why did you guys do a deal? Like they, And they looked through the paper and they said, obviously on paper, this didn't look like a good deal. And the guy said, well, and kind of sheepishly, and I don't know if they got fired after or whatever, but they just said, we were on the acquisition scene. We have to acquire things. That's our job. Nobody gets a bonus at the end of the year for passing on deals all year. You, you know, and, and I think this directly relates to fund managers as well, where when you have a lot of what they call dry powder or capital that's committed to your fund that you haven't used yet or haven't deployed, there's a pressure on you to deploy it. Um, cause you've got, you look at your bank account and you've got millions of dollars sitting there and your investors want you to deploy. That's the reason you're managing their money. But right now you can't find a good deal for instance, right? So what, what do you do? Um, and I, after reading this case study and my personal opinion, I mean, it's always better to do no deal than a bad deal, even though you're not going to get the Christmas bonus at the end of the year, that's better than losing a lot of money. So keep that in mind. Um, when looking at deals, like for instance, for example, last week I had a deal come across my desk. These guys needed, uh, 600 grand. They're doing a hemp farm in Nevada, which obviously puts up red flags like right away. Right. But anyways, I looked into the deal. Um, it looked good. These guys were willing, they needed 600 grand in like eight days or 10 days, something like that really quick. And they were willing to put up collateral for the money. I said, great. What kind of collateral you got? They said, well, we've got some land. And for the, like the farm, the farmland, and I said, okay, they got licenses and they've been running this farm for the last two years and the land's worth, I think it was like 300 or 400 grand. So I was like, okay, that's not going to cut it for 600, but they said, we also have water rights and the water rights are worth about $1.2 million. And I was like, huh, okay. And I personally have never dealt with water rights before. So I tried to look into that and I was trying to, to figure out exactly, you know, how to underwrite water rights. So I called around, looked at a few you know, lawyers into it. And um, anyways, they determined, and especially the speed of the deal, they needed money like in eight days, right? I didn't have the luxury of time to figure out exactly what was the, you know, the value of those water rights. Cause they, they looked into it and said, some of these water rights, 
yes, on paper, they're worth $1.2 million, but actually like in Nevada, it's a desert. Some of those, you know, water rights are actually just, they, they were good 10 years ago. Now they're dried up or you can't tap in any water. They're just useless now and they could be worth nothing. And so anyways, after all the due diligence, all the time um, and money spent on that, I decided to not do the deal. And even when I have, I have investors calling me yesterday, I met with an investor and he was like, Bridger, I want to give you some money. Let me, you know, let me know. I just said, Hey, I'll let you know when I can deploy it and take your money. I'll take it as a, a commitment, but I, I'm not going to let it sit because of the pressure to do deals and it pushes you into doing bad deals. So, um, there's another thing that happens in negotiation. I took a fantastic negotiation course, um, from a credit guy, Stan Christensen. He was a, I, I always talk bad about Harvard, but he was a, he did the Harvard negotiation project. He's written a couple of books on negotiation, took a personal class from him. Um, incredible guy, but he talked a lot about negotiation and what happens with deal fatigue on deals when time elapses right now. I'm actually in negotiations with these guys. They want to do kind of a partnership company deal, whatever we've been talking for the last eight months and going back and forth and contracts and you start to get fatigued. And a lot of times deals fall apart. If you're an M and a guy or anything like that been in that world, sometimes deals fall apart just because of deal fatigue where people are just so exhausted and tired of negotiating that they, they let it fall apart. Or another thing that's funny happens is people already assume the deal is done almost like that first HP case. They were so anticipated the deal being done that they got negotiated down, but still did the deal because it's better to do a deal they believe than than no deal, um, which in their case was was detrimental to them. So yeah, with negotiation, you're talking to somebody across the table, and they've already in their head they've already bought the Porsche and they're already their wife's already spending money on the trip to Hawaii and right, but you have you haven't signed any papers yet, and it's to your advantage when you've been talking negotiations with someone and they've already checked out and they've already said, oh, I'm going to make this much money from this deal. And they start changing their mindset to start buying those things or preparing to buy those things. And then you start to pull away from the table. They will scrap and say, oh no, I'll do whatever you want because we got to get this deal done. They want to get a deal done and you can put your opponents in a negotiation in a bad situation because of what they call deal, deal fatigue. I think Donald Trump, you like him or hate him, he's actually very good. He's written a few books on negotiation. Um, good at that style of, of tough, hard nose negotiation. Um, and whether you like that style or not, he's been able to use it to his advantage, but that's something that you can keep in your back pocket. But summary of this podcast is no deal. And this is a, I think that's a Brexit term they coined or whatever, but anyways, um, (laughs) um, no deal is better than a bad deal, right? When you're running a fund, it's okay to not deploy people's money. It's better to wait. And sometimes in your market, in your economy, at your times, just waiting is the best thing you can possibly do. Um, One last note, I was reading Reminiscences of a Stock Operator. Fantastic, um, classic finance book, you know, stock trading book. And in there, he talks about where he he knew when he could make money on, on trades. But some days he felt like, and other op- stock operators felt like they needed to bring home money every single day from, um, from the market. Not like almost like a daily wage, right? For, for just their time for leaving home all day, right? And they would sometimes gamble or make poor decisions because they felt like they needed to be constantly in motion. And that's something that one of the quotes from the book just said, and, and he said he lost money sometimes because he knew they weren't good deals, but he just felt the need to be doing a deal. 
he didn't want to have FOMO, right? Fear of missing out on a deal. And sometimes, you know, like in, if it was 2007 and everyone's doing deals and you're sitting at home, like, Oh my gosh, like everyone's doing, I got to do a deal, right? I got to get into, I'm talking real estate. I got to do a real estate deal. And in reality though, it'd probably be the best time just to do nothing, right? To just have your money in cash, just sitting there would be better than going out and doing real estate, real estate deals because, and then obviously the whole market tanks. Um, that's something to keep in mind when you're managing your own money or other people's money with deals. Anyways, love y'all. Peace. See you on the next episode. Bye. Hey, what's going on? I know a lot of you out there are starting funds or thinking about starting funds and something I was so grateful for was having mentors. When I started my first one, I had people to turn to and to ask questions. And so what I've decided to do is make the same thing for you. So what we've done is compiled a lot of interviews, things that I've learned, my personal pitch decks that I've used to pitch investors and put it all into what I call a mini ball. So in there, I deep dive into Forex funds, into real estate funds, how to structure them, how to structure deals, how to find investors. And I try to go deep to help mentor you to help you start your first fund. And in addition to that, we have a private members group on Facebook that fund managers are getting together on there and talking and working through problems together. So this is interesting you. If you wanna get involved and get some help right off the ground, go to investmentfundsecrets.com for less than a hundred bucks. You can get started and get into the mini vault. And I would love to see you in there on the Facebook group and talk with us. Thanks. See ya.